0: Recently, I had a really great opportunity to work with a filmmaker on a documentary he's doing on The Lady of the Dunes, a case that I have covered before. The filmmaker is Frank Durant, and he put me in touch with Annie from the Fresh Hell podcast, who also covered this case. He reached out to a few podcasters whose coverage he listened to and appreciated for one reason or the other. What he really wanted was for Annie and I to have an unscripted conversation about this case, the clues that interested us, why we chose the case, and what we think about the case eventually being solved. And one of the reasons Annie and I both agreed to work with Frank on this project is that that is the goal, to solve this case. And he has gotten the team together, the tools together, to actually do it. While we do cover the details of the case enough that I hope you can follow along, even if you've never heard of this case before, I do recommend listening to either the Crime Line's coverage or the Fresh Hell coverage to get a better idea of the details of the case before going forward. And then, of course, when this documentary is done, when it's out, I will 100% be promoting it and letting you all know where you can watch. So without further ado, here is a conversation on the Lady of the Dunes. Welcome, everyone, to whether you're listening to this in a podcast form or on video. I am really excited. I'm Charlie from Crimelines, and I have a guest with me today. It is Annie from the Fresh Hell Podcast. Welcome. Do you want to tell me about your podcast?
1: Yeah. uh, My friend Johanna, who lives in Austria, and I started the Fresh Hell Podcast about a little over two years ago, and we met online. And turned out that we had a mutual love of sort of obscure historical crime. We don't just cover true crime, though. We do a lot of macabre topics and um, mysteries, just a lot of historical stories, anything weird and sort of fascinating. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. So we both covered the same unsolved case on our podcasts, you know, different times. and. I think this is really great because I know you have a chance to discuss cases with someone, but I don't because I'm a solo podcaster talking into the void.
1: You're so good at it, though.
0: Oh, thank you. (laughs) I'm very good at talking into the void. So I am really glad to have someone to talk about a case with because unsolved cases, they really... I mean, they draw you into conversation, to speculation, to to really talk about it. So I do want to give just a quick overview of the case if anyone has not listened to our podcast, which you should be. But um, if you want to go back, is yours titled Lady of the Dunes? It is. Mine is as well. That is the Doe name she is known by is Lady of the Dunes and it takes place in Provincetown, Massachusetts, which is on the Cape Cod Peninsula. Somewhere you're familiar with Annie?
1: Yeah, so Cape Cod is actually a man-made island that is um, a peninsula that comes off the coast of Massachusetts. And so it's it's shaped like, do I want to go this way? It's shaped like <laughs> an arm. <laughs> it's shaped like an arm and Provincetown is the the absolute tippy top of the Cape. Mm-hmm. And so it is the outer outermost part of the Cape. And it's actually where the Mayf- uh, Mayflower landed initially. Mm-hmm. They landed in Provincetown, but uh, they couldn't really hack it. They didn't want to eat lobster for yes. the rest of their lives. <laughs> so they took off across the bay and settled in Plymouth. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a really beautiful coastal community.
0: Yeah. And Provincetown is really Like the picture, I think if people think of Cape Cod and what they've seen on TV and in movies, that's what they're really picturing. This really largely, it's mostly a small community. You know, in the time we're talking, the mid-1970s, there were about 3,000 permanent residents. But in the summer, it's a whole different story. They get flooded with tourists and seasonal residents.
1: Huge tourist boom in the summer. Absolutely, it's um, a lot of businesses make all of their money for the year in the summer, right. and more and more things now are open from Labor Day to Memorial Day. But it, there was a time where it was it was pretty dead between um, Labor Day and Memorial Day. Um, right. It was mostly fishermen, but yeah. <laughs> um, but but also just a really wonderfully open community. So you could. I have sat at a bar with a drag queen on one side of me and a Portuguese mm-hmm. fisherman on the other. And they're all talking about the price of lettuce up at the grocery store. Do you know, it's just right. a very, um, it's a really interesting melting pot of people mm-hmm. from all walks of life. And it's, it's, it's really welcoming and wonderful.
0: Yeah, and Provincetown, even in the 1970s was known for being somewhere where gay people could be and be. And not, mm-hmm. not face the same things they were facing maybe back home in Connecticut, where I grew up. Yeah. And so they had quite a few gay bars, even in the 1970s, that operated openly. Whereas we know in a lot of other cities, even big cities, yeah. they were still you know more on the down low. So this case does take place in July 1974 during one of those very touristy summers that they have up there and a girl was walking into a dense grove of pine trees when she saw what she first thought was a deer carcass, and it turned out to be a body. When the authorities responded to the scene, they found a young woman lying face down and nude on a blanket. She had her blue jeans and a bandana tucked under her head, kind of like a pillow. So if not for the massive injuries to her head... She could have just been sleeping or she could have, you know, died in her sleep, but she did die from blunt force trauma to the head. But then the person who killed her proceeded to try to hide her identity very successfully because we're still talking about it today. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So they attempted to decapitate her, but that's very difficult and they failed. So then some of her teeth were knocked out her hands were cut off and taken from the scene. They have not been recovered. Her face did have a lot of injuries to it, but it's not really clear to me if they were trying to hide her identity with it or if that was part of the primary attack.
1: I think that her, like the reports that I've read indicated that she had a sort of fist size hole from the military. If you don't know what a military entrenching tool is, yeah. which is what they think they used, mm-hmm. um it's like a shovel, a very sharp shovel that kind of folds up.
0: Yeah, and it's like a metal camping shovel, but yeah, queen tier.
1: Exactly, and serrated so that you can use mm-hmm. it for all manner of yes. things. Some people think that it's suspicious that she would have this, but there was a period of time when I drove a Jeep Wrangler, mm-hmm. and I am the least handy person you will ever probably meet. But I had a military entrenching shovel. I had a wrench. I had rope. I had a couple Mm -hmm. of flat boards. It was like the stuff that my dad put in the car for emergencies. So it's not really that strange. And they're sold at Army Navy stores. And there's Mm -hmm. one in Orleans and one in Provincetown that are still that were in existence then and are still in existence today. So I've heard a lot of people say, you know, oh, well, who would have had a military entrenching tool? Maybe it was somebody from like one of the bases, but it's not. I don't think that's really a clue, (laughs)
0: unfortunately. I I don't think it's such an obscure item. It's not military. Issue. It's right. not like you can't go and buy it if yeah, you have Fort it. Hood
1: isn't like stamped on the side right. of it. It's not gonna <laughs> exactly. lead you back
0: anywhere useful. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. That it seems like one of those things that might be a clue, but when as soon as you look into it more, you're like, oh, I mean, it, it wasn't so much. uncommon. Yeah. So this murder is unsolved, but also the identity of the woman has never been discovered in the 45 plus years since her murder. So to start our conversation, which I guess we've already started, but to continue it, I am curious why Fresh Hell opted to cover this case on on your podcast.
1: It was one of the first cases that we did cover. And I sort of wish I'd waited to do it a a little bit later on so that our audio quality was better. Um, But it was growing up on Cape Cod driving as frequently as I have to Provincetown. Have you been to Provincetown? I, I have, have not. So, so when you, if you're, you're going over one of the two man-made bridges and you're on a highway and then the highway turns into a one lane highway for a while, and then you hit your first rotary and then there's two lanes, sometime one lane, all the way down until you get to the end of the Cape. And at that point, you can see Provincetown off to your left, and you can see water on both sides of you. So mm-hmm. you can see, you know, the Atlantic and the, the as we say now, like the bitey side and the less bitey side. Yeah. There's a lot of shark activity <laughs> these days. Um, so it's just, it's, it's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the first time as a kid driving there and one of the adults we were with just randomly said, Oh, somewhere around here is where they found the lady of the dunes. And my 12 year old Amityville horror reading brain was like, I'm sorry, who? (laughs) Um, And that's kind of how it all started. Mm -hmm. And so I just really wanted to cover her because I often call her our lady of the dunes, um, Mm -hmm. which is partly growing up Catholic, but also, there's just this sense on the cape that we have custody of this of this woman, and we still don't know who she is. Right. and i it just makes me so sad. I think about it so often. and mm-hmm. so yeah, that was it was one of the first cases I wanted to talk about.
0: I have always been interested in doe cases. They are among my favorite ones to cover, and I think the reason is that whatever the resolution, when it gets resolved, it's a happy story. We don't get those in true crime a lot. So whatever bad happened already happened. That's right. That is over. And now our next journey is getting their name back and letting their family know what happened to them because that Mm -hmm. not knowing is torture. I've talked to so many families who have said that the missing part is worse than the knowing part. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. And So at the end of this, the resolution to identifying someone, identifying a doe, is just good stuff. And we don't get wins in true crime very often. We don't get, you know, it's mostly lives destroyed. And so at this point in the journey, we're at the point where we can get to something somewhat positive. This case happening, even though I've not been to Provincetown, I'm familiar with Cape Cod. And so I can picture the the idea of what happened. I think
1: one of the things that people often don't understand and get confused about with this case is the setting of the dunes. Because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people imagine sand dunes and they imagine Lawrence of Arabia or do you know what I mean? Just these Mm -hmm. very just sand dunes. And on Cape Cod, the the flora and fauna, I guess is the term. It's a lot of scrub pine. There's a lot yeah. of, um, there's a lot of, uh, different beach grass and, and scrub pines. And so there are actually a lot of wooded areas among the mm-hmm. dunes.
0: So in Indiana, they have the Indiana sand dunes where three women went missing, which my family was really thrilled that I took them on vacation there after being like, Oh, Hey, guess what happened here? But the Indiana sand dunes are like that, where they're beachy dunes because there's Lake Michigan right there, but then right behind you are trees. Yeah. But okay, I don't want to get too far off topic talking about beachy ideas, though, man, it sounds really nice right now. I know. (laughs) Ready for a vacation.
1: Yeah. And she looked like she had been on vacation, right? Like her toenails were painted pink. And Mm -hmm. and I think that's about all they could tell, other than the auburn hair. Um, Right.
0: There wasn't a lot of identifying. Information there, but again, it looked like you know she had the bandana in her hair because that was uh, that was under her. Her jeans were folded. I can't tell you how many times I've laid down on a towel and folded up my jeans for a pillow. Yes, you know? absolutely, absolutely. That's, I mean, that's just so. And that's one of the things with the blanket is that it was laid out, and she was lying more on one side than the other. And I didn't know if you had any thoughts on whether she was attacked while she was lying there or if that was staged?
1: No, I think she was attacked while she was lying there asleep. Mm -hmm. I do. I, I, and this could also be part of me, just what I would like to think happened. That's one of the things that can always be a little bit difficult, but I think it would have, I don't think it was staged Mm
0: -hmm.
1: only because if you were going to stage it, why would you be so sloppy with, you know, one hand, one arm, the hand was removed like forearm and the other one mm-hmm. was at the wrist. You know, it wasn't, right. it was very haphazard. Only some of her teeth were removed, mm-hmm. which leaving in a lot of very expensive dental work. Right. There's a lot of things. She's almost decapitated, but mm-hmm. not. Uh, so, and are we, I don't know if we're getting ahead or just as we're no, talking about what they found, but all these things that seem like mis- like really seem like mistakes to me if mm-hmm. if she had been killed somewhere else they probably would have taken more time right. to get it right before mm-hmm. staging it right. so i think she went willingly with somebody she knew or someone she didn't know but was happy to go willingly with um right. i think probably they I don't know if anything happened. I think there was nude sunbathing. There may have been mm-hmm. consensual sex. And then I think she fell asleep and was hit with the shovel. Yes. Because yeah. there was just no sign of a struggle. All the staging was done like in situ post-mortem,
0: right?
1: hmm yeah. So I think she was killed there. What? Yeah. What yeah, about you? I,
0: I agree. Uh, one of the things that I read, so I say, okay, I think she was killed there while she was asleep. And then I'm like, okay, well, let me go read the people who don't agree with me. And they're thinking, and a lot of people point to how little was disturbed. But I think that doesn't mean she was dumped there. I think it means she was asleep. Like, I don't think there was a struggle. Whatever happened, wherever it happened, I don't really believe there was a struggle. And we don't, we haven't heard about defensive wounds, which of course, missing her hands, we would lose some of those. But even on the arms or any signs that there was much of a struggle.
1: Just nothing. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's possible that there was some kind of like staging, but I think her being a half the blanket, I really do picture someone laying next to her waiting for her to fall asleep. Yeah. I do think it was planned. And I do think she knew the person who did this because they went so far to make her unrecognizable and unidentifiable that her identity would link back to them.
1: That's exactly it. It had That's to be. I
0: right. I, yeah. I completely agree.
1: Because. Why would you bother? Why right. else would if you bother?
0: You have, yeah. If you have no connection to them and they can't be traced back to you, there's no reason. Yeah. To go if it's just some
1: attractive person that she met at a bar right. the night before.
0: And why? I think sometimes you know maybe cuz we hear about dismemberment cases and we we don't sit and think about what it takes to dismember somebody to even just to try to decapitate them it takes a psychology more than just hitting them on the head like mm-hmm. it takes it takes you going to a, a a place that you would need a reason to go there yeah. and so i think there was a reason cuz it doesn't look like You know, she wasn't dismembered to hide her body. She was just, the parts that were taken were just to hide her identity.
1: Identity, right. And there are a lot of, well, we can get into that down the line too with fingerprints and um, not everybody is fingerprinted because they're a criminal. Um, Right. But also, uh, I, yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying. I think it, I think that if they, if we find out who she was, we'll be able to figure out Mm -hmm. who did it. Yeah. But they, for as, for as quick and slow, it's so frustrating when they don't even do a great job of it and they still and
0: they get away with it. You know, we never know how much evidence was preserved as far as determining DNA. But in my understanding of this case, there is, I mean, obviously for identifying her, they do have her remains. But other than that, there's yeah. really not a lot that that we've been made aware of, like, like swabs from the body that could be tested now.
1: No. And I think the state of, well, we should also talk the uh, one other bit of evidence that at the scene, of course, was that she was sexually assaulted with Mm -hmm. a wooden object. And the only thing I could think of back then, and I should really have looked deeper into this is I don't know whether they could do blood type testing from Mm -hmm. semen at that time.
0: Right, they could do, oh gosh, what's that testing called? Yeah. The, yeah, there was like an you know, excreter or not a non excreter. Yes,
1: but I don't know how. Mm-hmm. how my thought was always that, that that was done to hide what my hope was consensual sexual right. activity. This is the problem. It wouldn't, the, the reason I think that she was killed there is. And then staged, though. You know, mm-hmm. so there was definitely staging. They, Whoever did it smoothed things out. They yes. tucked the stumps of her arms into the sand and then put pine needles over them so it looked like she had just fallen asleep with mm-hmm. the bashed inside mm-hmm. of her head, you know, on a blanket, right. and she was nude. So if you mm-hmm. were walking by within the first day or so, you and you saw that, oh, sorry, you know, just looking the other way, on my way, you know. Absolutely. Don't want to. By the time she was actually found though it had been I think they thought she had been dead for about 3 weeks mm-hmm. and in July on Cape Cod the heat and humidity yes. the insect activity was it was it was mm-hmm. there was there was yeah so yeah. um i think a lot of that I don't know. They wouldn't have known that though. I mean, I guess she could have been found the next day. Mm-hmm. But you just wonder why sexually assault her with a piece of wood. Do you right. know what I so, mean? That always seemed right. unless they just got off on
0: you know, uh, there's always it could be that it was getting off on degrading her. It yeah. could have been but it also could have been some more staging to obscure the motive. Exactly to make it look like, well, how do I make it look like she was Sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. And
1: it could have been a woman. It could have
0: been that. Right.
1: This is the thing that's so frustrating, you know, is there's just, mm-hmm. we know we have her DNA because she was tested. It was tested against mm-hmm. a few people. She's been yes. exhumed so many times.
0: Obviously, a case like this catches the attention and a lot of theories come out. And like you said, she has been tested against other some people who have run away. I know a girl named Rory was one of them. Oh, she was a
1: firecracker.
0: I know. I actually want to do a whole episode on <laughs> me her. Me too. Um, I need to like track down her family or something and be like, please tell me everything about her. Um, she see she was a lot, and so she's very interesting person. Did you did you guys talk about her on I your? Did. Yeah, we did too. Yeah. Well, I did, and um, I definitely recommend. Yeah, listen to our episodes to get the full story. And <laughs> she ended up not being the Lady of the Dunes, so it was kind of a side journey. But it was it was interesting. She uh, was an interesting young woman. But oh yeah, one big theory on the Lady of the Dunes' identity came from Stephen King's son, Joe Hill, who is also a very good author,
1: very good author,
0: and apparently a fan of the movie Jaws. <laughs>
1: Who isn't a fan of the movie, Jaws. I know,
0: right? And so (laughs) Jaws Jaws was filmed on Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, that's right. I think, you know, it's not filmed where it takes place. And so they used hundreds of extras to make those big, huge beach scenes. Mm Because, I mean, they had to crowd those beaches. And they filmed a month before the Lady of the Dunes was found. So... Joe Hill had seen the movie a million times on TV, which is a smaller screen. And then when was some anniversary came out and you could go watch it in the movie theater, he watched it there. And so now when he saw it really big, he noticed one of the extras in the background, which I'm not a detail person. So I never I don't ever see the background people. But apparently he's a detail person. And he thought she looked like the Lady of the Dunes. And she was wearing blue jeans, which were very common at the time and today, and a blue bandana on her head, which, again, is what she was found with. Most of the time she's on camera, her back is to the camera or her side. There is one frame that's pretty clear. Yeah, And he thinks that maybe that's why she was in Provincetown, because that's a big question. She wasn't a local. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't know how she got to the dunes, because... No car or bicycle was found unidentif- unaccounted for. No, nope. So someone likely had driven her out there. That's right. So why was she there? Was she just an everyday vacationer? Was she a day vacationer? Or Well, Jill also Dildberry, Yeah. Was she there for the movie?:
1: Yeah. Because also, none of the hotels were missing a guest or inns. Right. or, you know, this is all way before Airbnb, but yes. it's a very tourism central.
0: Mm-hmm. centric
1: town. And in July, you would absolutely know. If someone is yeah. not out by their 10 a.m. checkout, you are the maid is in there. They are packing up your things and, yeah. you know, and they the police did, I believe they talked to everybody mm-hmm. and nobody was missing a guest. Nobody yeah. was missing a, a paying guest. So right. wh- yeah, where did she come from?
0: And you know, there are theories that maybe she was a drifter, but then she had expensive dental work
1: very expensive dental work.
0: Yeah. There is a lot of, you know, she didn't really show any signs really of being a drifter. But again, if anyone reported her missing, she has not been connected to that missing persons report in over 40 years. So Joe Hill's theory is maybe she was there as an extra in the movie. And he he gave this idea to a friend. They also sent it into the police to say, hey, here's an angle. Maybe you haven't you haven't dealt with but the problem is extras in that movie they don't have a a master list of them anywhere
1: no they don't
0: and they also had a lot of people show up just to watch it being filmed Yeah. maybe she's not even in the movie maybe she was just up there to watch it being filmed and decided to stay in the area for a little while i mean it's this theory got got the publicity it did, not because there's a lot behind it, but because a famous person put it forward?
1: I think yes and no. I think... Yes, absolutely. If it was you or I who put the idea for it. If we were on
0: Reddit. It, you'd never have heard it of it. Nobody,
1: Nobody cares. Um, and again, we don't have, I'm with you. I would not have noticed. I have a borderline migrant. I can't see out of this eye right now. So I would never notice that. Right. Um, when you read Joe Hill's books, the level of detail, no surprise. Mm-hmm. That, that most, is it the most recent book? Uh, reconstruction they've done with where they, what, what they think she looks like, uh, where she's got her hair in the ponytail because her mm-hmm. hair was auburn in a ponytail. Yes. And you can see it. I mean, you you can mm-hmm. definitely, oh, yeah, that looks like her. It's also interesting that no one has come forward to say, oh, no, that's me. Right. That's, that's true. That's me. That's my aunt. That was mm-hmm. my grandma. That's my older sister. That's right. because that was a, long story short, I once spent too much time on a tour bus on Martha's mm-hmm. Vineyard, and the driver um, was an extra in the film mm-hmm. of Jaws. And all we heard about for the <laughs> entire tour was Being Jaws. So it was it's a thing, especially, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, around here. And so right. that's the part of it that's a bit, to me, almost gives a little bit more credibility. Mm-hmm. Because if you're even in a split second, you know, of a film like that, you're right. going to
0: especially when you're your full face, you know, yeah. you can pause it and it's blown up everywhere on the internet. So another theory that has come forward mainly because he confessed. and no, the, my regular listeners, it's not Otis tool.
1: It's well, not Otis tool.
0: I, I promise it's not <laughs> Otis tool. Not. I, every time he comes up in my podcast or my videos, I'm always like, Oh my God, like, <laughs> you can't get Henry away Leigh, from him. He and Henry Lee Lucas, I call Had them Clark. those fools. I really don't like them. But this is Haddon Clark, who is a very different kind of serial killer than they were. He wasn't as much of a random confessor. I mean, he does have paranoid schizophrenia. So he doesn't, he's not always rooted in reality when he says mm-hmm. things. Like a lot of the confessions they have from Haddon Clark, he gave to his cellmate who he thought was Jesus and he thought he was confessing.
1: That's right. So, and he is his most lucid with Jesus. With yes. Jesus. Just yes. so we're clear about what we're yeah. yeah. Um, and so yeah, what they they actually took him out of prison, um, mm-hmm. dressed as his what he said was a different personality, which yes. was a woman. So he got, you know, nice new dress and everything mm-hmm. out of it. And he and Jesus went to the sounds and that just saying this these words makes sounds like yeah. a fever dream. But yeah, the police brought him and Jesus to where he said he had hidden. Now, they did find, didn't they, a box full mm-hmm. of jewelry they that. They did
0: on his, his. So, his, to give a little background of why, his grandparents lived there. They mm-hmm. lived on Cape Cod, um, wealthy, like two
1: towns down.
0: Right. So, in the vague area, he said he hid bodies in the in the dunes we do know that of his victims he did bury one of them so he actually buried both of them i believe yeah he buried both of them but his and his confession at the for the dunes was that he buried the women he killed there Mm -hmm. and we know the lady of the dunes was not buried and it was staged and it seems quite possibly beyond Haddon clark's abilities yeah i agree he also only, the two convictions, the two people they can prove, he had a connection to both of them. Mm-hmm. So he's not a serial killer who has a a known history of randomness. So right. he would be linked to the Lady of the Dunes if he was the killer, which then explains the hiding of her identity. But like I said, Haddon Clark didn't That's have a, a strong ability to hide very much. Um, he did... I, they did find, like you said, they, he buried jewelry, and some of the jewelry that they found buried as his grandparents' property was linked to one of his victims. So we mm-hmm. do know he stole jewelry from one of his victims and buried it. And then there's a bunch of jewelry they can't identify, but he was also a known thief. Yeah, He would steal purses out of churches. Like, he was a known thief. So we don't know if that jewelry is connected to victims of robbery or murder. But I don't think there's a lot here to connect him to this case on the dunes. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. He couldn't find any of the bodies, like everywhere he brought them. Yeah. There were no bodies, but dunes shift. Development well, yes. happens. Yes, It's quite possible. He got up there. He wasn't as familiar with that area.
1: Also, just he's he went very mentally ill.
0: He I mean, very mentally ill, very mentally ill, so it's very possible that he just like there could be victims there he doesn't know, and I yep. don't think the lady was one of them.
1: I agree, I agree, absolutely,
0: but I think let's go on to the Whitey Bulger, so you grew up in Massachusetts, so Whitey Bulger's always been in your consciousness, somewhere. yeah,
1: somewhere, I don't know as much about Whitey Bulger as I maybe should, only because. Mm-hmm. In terms of true crime, organized crime has Mm -hmm. not interested. I know what the motivation is.
0: Right, right. It's no surprise, right? There's no real psychology behind it.
1: No, it's, yeah. You got it. (laughs) Yeah. Mob activity, gang activity. Mm It makes me sad. I understand wow. why it exists, um, but it doesn't uh, keep me up at night wondering how, why this thing happened. Right. right. So uh, but yeah, he was the leader of the Winter Hill Gang, which mm-hmm. was out of Somerville, Massachusetts, which is part of the greater Boston area. Yeah. And he was a bad guy <laughs> He who liked he- to remove teeth.
0: Yeah, he and... liked to kill people, he liked to remove teeth, he, he killed people who crossed him in some way, and or he thought might cross him in some way. Mm-hmm. I think he's most well-known for being on the run for so long, like he mm-hmm. really evaded the police, I think that's probably what most people, if they hear about Whitey Bulger, they're like, oh, that old man they finally arrested.
1: Well, yeah. Johanna was really surprised because I said she would that he was number two on the FBI's most wanted Mm -hmm. list for for just such a long time. And my podcasting partner, Johanna, said, Oh, who was number one? Do you know who number one was? Osama bin Laden. Yeah. (laughs) So that gives you an idea of the FBI's ranking. So number Mm -hmm. one, Osama bin Laden, number two, Whitey Bulger. Yeah. And he was living it up in Florida with his girlfriend.
0: He was, and he did not live it up very long in prison because he was Mm -hmm. killed in prison at the age of 89. Someone murdered him in 2018. Provincetown in the 1970s was a popular place for drug runners because, one, it's relatively close to Boston, about Mm -hmm. an hour and a half away. It's fairly remote being at the tip, and then it is... There is more access to waterways than there is anything else in Provincetown. So it was a place that was fairly popular for drug running. We do know Whitey Bulger was up there in the 70s. We do know he had connections in there. So the owner of the Crown and Anchor Bar Tavern Inn thing.
1: One of my favorite places.
0: The owner was on trial for tax evasion in Mm -hmm. the early 80s. Whitey Bulger's name came up as someone who stayed there, someone who the owner had threatened someone with, basically saying, don't talk. Whitey Bulger will kill you. Yeah, I'm friends with 1, Whitey. 000. and Fels- yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, for 10, 000, I can have this taken care of. The uh, general manager testified to that. So Whitey Bulger is in court records as having ties to Provincetown in the 1970s. So mm-hmm. this isn't a far off, oh, there was a gangster in Boston. No, he right. was tied to the area. The crown and anchor is interesting because it comes up in another tip mm-hmm. where an author who grew up there said that she recognizes the blanket the lady was found on as one from the crown and anchor. Right. So that's another, so that kind of, it was interesting to read that and then go see that Whitey Bulger's name came up in ties to the crown and anchor as well.
1: It is. And the thing that's interesting there is it feels like that would have been an easy enough thing to get confirmation on at the time, That's because so now if you go to the Crown and Anchor, first of all, get the macaroni and cheese. It's okay,
0: good to know. <laughs> amazing.
1: Um, they also have really great live entertainment. They have two mm-hmm. different venues, and um, so great live entertainment at the Crown. I've never stayed at the at the hotel aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, aspect of it. I think it's like more like an inn. I don't think it's a ton of rooms. Um, But I'm going to assume if she recognized it, that they all had, it was a green, I'm imagining this green, (laughs) you know, those green quilted polyester blankets. That's what I'm imagining. It was just a coverlet because you wouldn't want anything hot in July. I'm guessing nobody had air conditioning hooked up in the seventies. And so, yeah, this, this woman thought that it looked very much like the uh, bedspreads at the Crown and Anchor, which mm-hmm. is where her where her father had spent a lot of time. Is that yes. am I remembering correctly? I, I
0: heard that her dad or stepfather, someone. But. Yeah.
1: And but if that was the case, I would have thought it would be really easy for the police to verify that yes, this does right. match these 30 other bedspreads at this one establishment. And that's never been corroborated.
0: That's whether we whether that is police hold back information, because we do well know they have held back information in this mm-hmm. case. they hold back information in every case, but we also know that that well, I've recently learned, Recent, yeah. <laughs> and we'll get into how I recently learned that in a minute, <laughs> that there was also disinformation put out mm-hmm. so that they could if someone called using information they got in the media with their tip, they would say they would know. This person doesn't actually know what happened. Exactly, so there is some disinformation that was put out as well. Yeah, I so, think that's
1: in both of our podcasts.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. don't worry, yeah. it's
1: nothing important.
0: It, it, it it's fairly minor. It has to do with location. Things yeah. happened, but it it is fairly minor. But. It, it doesn't really change the case, but it does rule exactly. out bad tips. So it, yes. I think it was a smart piece of disinformation.
1: Exactly, I agree.
0: Because it doesn't impact the truth from coming out. No, was this blanket part of that holdback information? We we don't know. Um, it's this case. Sometimes I I'm not really sure that this case has has recently been much of a priority. So right. I don't know that people are really going back on that except we do have someone who we've both talked to who is working to get this case solved.
1: It's so and exciting.
0: It's very exciting. So this is a filmmaker named Frank Durant and he lives in the greater Boston area. I don't know. He's got a Massachusetts accent. On he it. does. One I, <laughs> I talked to him and I was like, okay, I know who you, I, I recognize that accent and he has, he's, making a documentary, but not just to tell the story, but to actually solve the Doe case. Mm. I mean, solving the Doe case will very likely point in the right direction of the murder case. I'm really excited that the story is going to get out there more, but it also may move the needle on this case.
1: I hope so. I hope so. Because, well, now, now, do we want to talk now about what we're hoping may happen with
0: Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk
1: about it. So, well, we know what happened. I guess the best example is Golden State Killer, right? Yes, absolutely. And so I'm on Ancestry and I'm mm-hmm. on what's the other one? 23andMe.
0: Yes.
1: Um, hashtag promo code. I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> but the uh it is interesting because you do you find um relatives immediately, mm-hmm. all kinds of relatives. And I'm adopted. And so it's been really interesting finding, Mm -hmm. and I've always known I was adopted. It was never, you know. It
0: wasn't uh, a shock. It wasn't a
1: shock. It wasn't, no, 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 not at all. Um, But you do worry it'll be a shock for the people that find you, you know, because for me it was more, I just was curious about what my actual ethnicity was. Mm -hmm. Just, um, it's a very American thing, isn't it? Everybody talks about their, yeah. But now, of course, we're using DNA to solve crime and to identify victims. I feel like somewhere out there is this woman's niece or great niece or nephew Mm -hmm. or cousin. I can't, the thing that makes me so sad with this case is why was nobody looking for her? Why is nobody looking for Mm -hmm. her? Did she, was she an out lesbian whose family disowned her? Mm -hmm. Was she into drugs and took off and her family disowned her? There's a lot of reasons that families will write a person off and Mm -hmm. literally put them out of their minds, never speak of it, nothing ever again.
0: Yeah.
1: That on its own is devastating. Mm-hmm. There's also the possibility that there was just nobody looking for her. I mean, she yeah. could have been a product of the foster care system. But then you wonder why all the dental work. It just—it right. seems like somebody had to know her and somebody with means. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that there's been talk about whitey and sex trafficking and having people's teeth fixed. But I'm sorry. I think in today's money, it's about 25 to 50 grand worth of right. dental work, including like gums, um, surgery. And mm-hmm. so I don't think that's the sort of funds no. that a pimp is going to be... He was
0: paying for some caps. That's exactly.
1: Yeah, maybe. it It yeah. just, that doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And so my hope is that somewhere out there... Someone is going to be on one of these Mm -hmm. websites and all of a sudden they're going to realize, oh my God, I had an aunt or a -hmm. great aunt or a cousin or something, you know, that they just, and in my mind, it's somebody that they knew nothing about. That's how I've always imagined this sort of had to go down. Like she did Mm -hmm. something to get herself either her family died and that she was mm-hmm. on her own with her own funds or or they, you know, cut her out of their lives for whatever unfortunate reason mm-hmm. and nobody ever went looking for her. But that's I think the thing that makes you and I want to find out who she is so badly. It's like we we care about yeah. who she was and what and what's happening to her.
0: Yeah, I definitely so forensic genealogy is something that comes up a lot when we talk about these cases. I have cases in on YouTube where recent ones, Colorado did a huge push to start solving cases with forensic genealogy. And it felt like every week, another case from Colorado from the 1980s, where there was a sexual assault and a murder was being solved. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, we have the Golden State Killer, which really kicked this off. It has been used a lot in Doe cases. It's been used in um, kidnapping cases as well. Paul Franzak was kidnapped as an infant and he was found through forensic genealogy. So, I mean, many, many years later, like 50 years later. Now, if you want to see Doe cases get solved, go over to the DNA Doe Project. They have their list of solves. They have cases that are currently being uploaded. They have ones that are out for DNA sequencing and they have the ones they are currently crowdfunding because it costs about $5,000 to do each one of these cases. Yeah. To do a, the genetic genealogy on a 40, 50-year-old case is very expensive for a police department that has cases that just happen they need to work on. And yeah. it's not like we have an unlimited amount of funds. Right, We sometimes wonder, why aren't they moving on this? Why aren't they moving on that? Can't always afford it. No, And so the DNA Doe Project is a place where they have, they do all of the work, but they do have to crowdfund fund. The resources. So I do recommend going over there. You can make a general donation or you can make a donation towards a specific case. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I just gave $100. We're $100 closer to identifying this person. Three of the cases that I have followed very closely that they have solved are the Sumter County Do's, which were a man and a woman who were killed together. Mm-hmm. Then, And they were traveling together before that. Joseph Newton Chandler, who I mean the theories on who he really was. He lived under that name for something like 20 years. When he died, they couldn't find his family and then they realized he had stolen the identity of like a 7-year-old who had died in a car crash. And so many theories. He was a Nazi on the run. He <laughs> was he he was a fugitive. Like the marshals Dep- office got the U.S. Marshals got involved because it's like, is he a fugitive? Right. Like why else would he? And it turned out he just like left his wife and kids and changed his Started, name. Like he yeah. decided he really didn't want a, any contact or child support. Uh, child support.
1: Probably. Yeah.
0: So he turned out, you know, but his family, his kids now know what happened and they yeah. had reported him missing when they lost complete contact with him. But his missing persons report never really connected with him. Jurisdictions are tricky.
1: They are. Yeah,
0: Jurisdictions are tricky. So that's another point. She may have been reported missing and it's not being connected.
1: Especially because of the time.
0: Yeah. It's not like there's a database they could type in. No. They don't have nameless back then. They can't just type in a name and or and some identifying features and narrow it down. If she took off from her family in Texas and ended up in Provincetown two years later she may not have been connected to her missing persons case. That's right. Another one that has been solved through the DNA Doe Project is Lyle Stevick. They have not, that's the fake name he used to check into a motel. That one I'm not not familiar with. Yeah, they have not released his identity because the family has said no. But from what I understand of the case is he was an adult who wandered off and kind of cut off contact with his family. So they didn't report him missing because they thought he was staying away because he wanted to. Like he And that
1: happens. Yeah, that's the thing. That does happen. And it also, you know, I was saying before, it could be somebody who left because they were snubbed or, Mm -hmm. you know, thrown out of the family. But also there are people who are just free spirits who just sort of, we all know at least one, right, person that's just kind of I don't know how they managed to stay Mm -hmm. alive and like do their thing. And yeah, but they're out there living their best life, just kind of doing their Mm -hmm. thing. And I would never call if I don't hear from them for a couple of years, I would never think to call anybody and be concerned because they'll pop back up like five years never passed. And that's the norm for them. There are a lot of people like that. She could have been a person like that.
0: I do think we, we have, because of so many people are connected on social media now I feel like we—it's harder to just wander away from your family these days. Now it it is. Oh yeah, but 1974.
1: Yes, 1974,
0: where you'd have to find a pay phone to call home. You are you. You can wander pretty easily. So I mean, perhaps she wandered away, but you know, she would, based on the age estimated age, she would have been born probably in the 1940s, give or take a couple years into the 50s, maybe. If she survived, she would be 70 to 80 years old today. So her parents are not around. They're no. very likely deceased, like very likely deceased. Friends, siblings- If, if they're alive, died, we want to talk to them. If they're alive, yeah. I mean, <laughs> my dad made it into his 70s with both parents still alive. We have That's longevity, amazing longevity genes in my family. Wow! But, yeah, my dad's in his seventies, and his mom's still alive. My, my mother-in-law's in her eighties, and her mother just recently passed away. Like oh, longevity wow. genes in our That's family. That's great. Hopefully, I inherited some of them. But, I hope so. Um, so far, it's not looking great. <laughs> but maybe <laughs> you look good to me. Maybe but no, it's it's healthier than I am. But you know, her if she had siblings, they they may be deceased too, right? Um. Friends have wandered, but I really, I really think the DNA Doe Project getting involved in this case. They're going to find her second cousin, and that's going to find a niece who said, "Oh, I always wondered about this picture in the family photo. Yes, album. yes. I always want- that's my aunt who wandered off. She was a hippie. No mm-hmm. one heard from her. Always wondered what happened.
1: Her photo could be on someone's wall,
0: absolutely, just like this, and." I- have I have 100- no idea. Yeah, I 100% think she's in a family photo album and she's that aunt, that hippie aunt who wandered off. Yeah. And for all we know, because her DNA has not been uploaded to GEDmatch or to any of these sites, the DNA Doe Project is coming on board, which I think is going to be a game changer for this. They may already have their DNA up there waiting on a hit. Their, yeah. The family may be waiting right now for her... To be can matched, and that, like just me goosebumps
1: to think. I was about just that. gonna say it's
0: very no, like. A... I think it's gonna happen though. Talking to Frank about the documentary has gotten mm-hmm. me just even more interested and excited about this Joe case because I do think it's gonna have a happy ending.
1: I really hope so. I really hope that we. I really hope that we can put a real face and a real name to yes. this person that we have wondered about. I've, I've thought of, we've, we've thought about her in the worst ways, right? We've mm-hmm. thought about what was done to her and the indignities that she went through before and after death, really. It would be fantastic to know mm-hmm. what her favorite color was yeah. or, you know,
0: where she grew up. Why, why was she in
1: Provincetown? Did she have
0: fun? Was she in Jaws? Did she go yeah. to the building? Did she,
1: did she have some happiness? Like, please yes. let her have had some happiness mm-hmm. before. It's not it's not a great frame of mind to have for somebody who does true crime stuff because mm-hmm. I so often really want there to be some some positive to be taken from something, and there's just not. But I do agree with you that here, I really think with Frank's documentary, if we can get some renewed interest in this, if we can get the funds together to have the testing done, we might find out soon.